Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining our weekly podcast. I'm Robin Lewis, founder and CEO of The Robin Report, uh, which, by the way, is much more than a daily report and certainly not a newsletter. It really is a knowledge platform and uh, from which uh, we communicate thought leadership on various strategic topics through, yeah, the daily reports, but also these podcasts. And we do webinars and hopefully in the future, some live events. And along with our chief strategist, Shelly Cohan, who by the way, is also a professor at FIT and Syracuse University. We welcome you to our conversation on the topic of consumer spending remains strong as uh, headwinds build. So um, joining us today, and we're honored to have him as our special guest, Andy Mantis, who's president of uh, Commerce Signals. And Andy's someone who always adds value to our podcast. So Andy, it's great to see you again. And uh, you know, to help us unravel what your data means in terms of a consumer spending, um, you just released Commerce Signal's new report on the impact of inflation on consumer spending. So, so before we jump into our discussion, um, can you take us through what uh, Commerce Signals and what you what what Commerce Signals does and what you do for that company? Yeah, absolutely. Uh... Thanks, Robin. Always good to see you. And Shelley, great to see you as well. So Commerce Signals is um, part of the TransUnion family. And at Commerce Signals, we help our customers um, get a clear understanding and picture of competitive trends, industry trends, and perhaps most importantly, overall consumer spend trends and the way their consumers and their competitors, uh, customers are spending. We do this in a very data-driven approach. We um, see over 60% of the credit and debit card spend every day in the US. Wow. It's all anonymized data, but you take that data, turn it into insights and action. So as a result, our, our customers are able to make more precise and accurate strategic decisions and also importantly, take more effective marketing actions to drive better outcomes, which these days when, you know, there's less and less money to uh, invest is very important. Yep. Wow, Andy. Uh, well, and there's also so many factors that kind of play into cons consumer spending and overall economic growth, you know, household income, inflation, unemployment, and of course the political environment. Um, so really trying to project consumer spending can be difficult, but we do know consumerism is like 68% of our GDP. And uh, just released today, this morning, GDP rose 1.1% for Q1. And although that was down from 2.6 for Q4 of last year, still shows growth, but albeit it confirms a slowing of consumer spending. So Andy, maybe you can provide some framework around consumer spending and how Commerce Signals is measuring this over time. Yeah, it, I'm sorry. Uh, well, also, I think we need a, a bit of a breakdown in terms of discretionary um, spending and non-discretionary spending. You know, consumers have really been hit hard 
-hmm. in terms of housing, uh, rent, rent, rentals, yep. mortgages for new homes, and food and energy. So maybe you can break that down for us. Sure. Yeah, I'll um, give a, like a little high-level overview and then get into um, some of the macro findings. So, you know, just to start, you know, think about discretionary as, you know, truly discretionary. It's often in the eye of the consumer, but things like travel, many retail purchases, entertainment, these are all um, discretionary to the consumer, but on the flip side, non-discretionary is made up of your basics fuel. You know, many people have to drive to work. So fuel is really a non-discretionary spend. Grocery um, is non-discretionary as are things like utilities and certain services. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that is that basic core that when inflation drives up, the number of dollars people have to spend on that non-discretionary um, bucket, they have to make more and more choices about how they spend the discretionary. Uh, and we'll dive into that uh, a bit in a minute, but you know, to the conversation, um, our last inflation report was last summer. And mm. I mean, yeah, just you know, in six eight months, what a world of difference! You know, last July inflation was nine percent. Um, yeah. Now, Shelley, you know, you just uh, referenced some of the numbers that came out. I think it's about five percent now. When we put out our report last month, it was six percent. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you think back to last July, um, you had higher fuel prices, right? The war in the Ukraine had spiked, you know, you have a lot of the fuel prices, you have um, higher cost of labor, you know, overall inflation was really high. And, you know, uh, to add to that, grocery prices, I believe, were at historic highs. So at that time, what we saw was within your non-discretionary spend, people were trading off, like they were buying the same amount at a grocery store, but given higher prices, they were trading to cheaper items to say mm -hmm. generic versus brand items. Um, and we were seeing, you know, um, last summer it was, you know, it was one of a much better situation as far as being able to get out, not worry about COVID. Um, we were seeing, you know, year over year growth, but declining um, month by month consumer spend in those discretionary categories. So, you know, you fast forward to this report um, and much to the surprise of many, discretionary spend has held up really, really well. So although it did decline, we saw in the first two months of the year, actually a little bit of a tick back up in discretionary spend. And you know, in this conversation, we'll get into some of the details on the what and the why. Yeah, I know we're going to get into some more details um, and spending on categories. Um, also, the direct impact on retail in terms of the of the categories. But uh, Andy, let's start with one of your highlighted categories for twenty twenty three, and that and that is travel. Mm -hmm. You know, travel has been up. Uh, has been up, you know, compared to last year and heading into 2023. So can you speak to uh, recreation and travel specifically? Sure. And this obviously f flows right into how consumers will spend on retail and restaurants. And of course, 
we know consumers are very happy to get out out <laughs> after being locked down for almost three years. So it makes sense. Absolutely, Rob. Look, it's clear there is pent up demand. People want to get out. And as we go through the discussion, you know, we will see that people are trading things like spending in home for getting out and about, be it travel, restaurants, recreation. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's really um, a spectacular growth year over year. We saw total travel dollars up 34%. Wow. And, you know, and that's not just driven by prices. We <clears throat> see transactions, travel transactions up over 20%. So it's a combination. Yeah. You know, there's some higher pricing, but um, people are just going out and traveling more. You know, and then you look at some other categories like, you know, we, we bucket a few together, like, you know, rideshare, taxis, et cetera. You see that up like 70, over 70% year over year. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, diving in a little more specifically to airlines, you know, I don't know about you guys, I'm getting out and doing both some business and personal travel. Like, I grumble about the prices, but I'm going out and traveling more. Yeah. And we do see airline spend up 50% year over year. Although, you know, within airlines, you know, everyone's grown, but it's not equal. You know, you've got uh, American and Delta, they're doing great. Southwest is kind of coming back from some of those issues they had, but a JetBlue has lost some share and they have not, you know, kept pace with the others. That's so interesting. So when I read the analysis, it did not actually surprise me that JetBlue was lagging in terms of the others. I mean, they started this whole new pricing scheme, which quite frankly, is actually not very transparent for a novice traveler. Yeah. And they actually seem to be much higher priced than the competitors. And the other thing they've done is they're rolling out their new loyalty program, which by the way, is not super transparent. And here's a tip for JetBlue. If it takes a company over a year to explain and roll out a new loyalty program, it's probably too complicated. So, uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, and they merged with American Airlines. Not sure that helps with the JetBlue brand. Anyway, sorry to go off on a tangent here, but I'm <laughs> definitely booking more travel this year for sure. <laughs> yeah, me too. But you know, Shelly, those are good points you made. And on JetBlue, um, but I usually I usually fly Delta if I can, and they do a pretty good job. But I should probably have said um, they are the least worse. <laughs> because you know don't get me started about air travel today in general i i'm old enough to remember when even economy class was better than first class is today anyway um the inflation impact report is really good andy and i have to give your team team great credit and it has a great many details about travel but um let's move on to some of the other categories and not to steal your thunder uh, but the two statistics that stood out to me in the analysis were restaurant sales growth year to date through February 23rd, up 16.5%. And retail sales growth year to date through February 23rd, up 5.6%. So Andy, can you provide us some insight around, you know, retail and restaurant, both of those categories? And what are you seeing? And 
Can you share your thoughts if your if your thoughts have changed since March? Uh, consumer spending numbers came out. Sure. Um, so it is really a stark contrast. Uh, you know, keeping in mind that inflation, let's call it, over the last three months has been you know gone maybe from you know six and a half down to five, and you look at the spend in relation to inflation. You know, starting at a high level, restaurants are just clearly way outpacing anything mm -hmm. you see in inflation. But retail at a macro level is kind of like treading water right around inflation. And let's break that down a little bit more. When we look at restaurants, it's across a broad spectrum of types of restaurant and food service. We're seeing this. And be it... Um, Starbucks, be it Chick-fil-A, Chuck E. Cheese, to a Fresh and Co, to more niche, you know, chains like a Maggie Moo. You're just seeing that growth way outpacing inflation, which again is going back to that theme of, hey, you know, you've got discretionary spend. People are clearly wanting to get out and do things that you know, more of the things that they did pre-pandemic. You know, it's been going on for a while, but that's taking more and more of um, someone's discretionary spend by choice and their value propositions, right? They're choosing to put their money there. Then you go to retail and it's a little more fragmented. Um, you do see, you know, um, more, you know, let's say winners and losers. So, you know, uh, if you took take a look, like um, department stores, um, you've got overall 6% growth year over year. But the interesting thing is we're seeing transaction growth at 10%, which is an implication mm. that they're trading to lower cost thing goods mm. within department stores. You look at areas like warehouse, the Costco's, they're again, outpacing. They're doing uh, well, you know, the wholesale, they're at roughly 9% growth year over year, outpacing inflation. You're diving into some of the retailers more specifically, you know, your value based like a TJ Maxx, they're doing well. You mm -hmm. contrast that with the Macy's, they're losing share to a Nordstrom or a Kohl's or a Bergdorf. So, you know, this landscape is speaking to, you know, more consumer thought in where they're spending hmm. and absolutely more <clears throat> higher implication in the retail sectors to make good decisions, be it inventory pricing, you know, across the board and even their marketing and how they're connecting. Yeah, it's got it's it's gotten fairly complicated, <laughs> and these retailers, you know, really have to dig into, um, you know, data and try to figure out where the consumer is going. We know that, you know, the consumer spending is pursuing low end, you know, and off price for fashion, for example, uh, or super high in luxury, and again, the middle tier is being squeezed out by both ends of the spectrum. And by the way, you, you, you know this, I'm sure Macy's has a new CEO yep. coming on board in February of 2024. 
and that is Tony Spring, um, who, in my opinion, has done a great job as CEO Bloomingdale's over the last 10 years that he's been there. Uh, and I believe he's a visionary strategist. And don't be surprised if we witness some bold and innovative moves uh, to take Macy's to another level. I think yep. we're going to see that from him. Yeah, yeah, I think you're going to see Macy's gaining back uh, some of that share yep. because of those bold moves uh, that he'll make. But, you know, department stores are also impacted just because they're oversized. I mean, consumers just don't want to shop in these big oversized stores. And I, I know Nordstrom's, Bloomies, Macy's, they're all kind of addressing this with their kind of small store, localized store strategies. Um, discount stores don't have as much of an issue with size just because it's a, it's in a strip center or standalone. So you can get in, you can get out. It's very easy. Um, plus the variety of assortment. And right now, what's big for discount stores is extreme value. That's what yeah. they're offering. Um, but, you know, Andy, one area of the report I found super interesting was around electronics. And you, if you could dive into those details, you yeah. have really a unique perspective on what's happening. But we're seeing a drop in electronic sales, but you're able to tell us what's happening there. So tell us what is going on with electronics. Yeah, and I think to a degree, it still follows that out-of-home versus in-home theme and where people are prioritizing. But we saw actually year-over-year -year dollar decrease uh, in first quarter in electronics stores. So um, that's only part of the story. So dollar decrease was about 2.5%, 2.6%, but the transaction decrease was over 10%. So again, people were changing their product mix pretty significantly in Q1. And when we started to you know, dive into it a little bit more deeply and also look at some of the um, earnings reports, what you know, um, the overall conclusion is, it's like there's a shift. Um, you know, you can take a, a Best Buy even. You know, they even amplified this trend even more. They were down um, 19%, I think, wow. uh, in purchase dollars and 5% in transaction. Uh, wow. um, but, yeah. you know, like I think Best Buy reported out uh, like, you know, sort of what had been the bread and butter, home computing, home theater, appliances, even phones were down and people were shifting into gaming and tablets. Yeah. Uh, but that was not making up. That mix was not making up for the loss in the other categories. And, you know, definitely some behavioral changes there. Uh, yeah. Well. You know, know, it, it, it Go also ahead. goes to, I mean, just to, you know, um, sum up some of what we've just been talking about with retail, with a lot of the rapid change in the way people are buying, in, in Q1, we saw many companies actually sort of pause on a lot of their marketing and advertising spend, but yet consumers were still spending so mm. with uncertainty, there's always opportunity. And Robin, to your point earlier, I think that, you know, our point of view is that very smart marketing tactics in times of change are opportunities to pick up share, whether that's Macy's in the future or the new CEO or not. Um, these inflection points do lead to opportunity for those who seize it. Yeah, one, yeah. One one person's um, <laughs> piece of gold is another person's 
trash anyway. <laughs> but but you know, I I, I don't want to get off uh, into another topic here. But you know, I've been I've been watching Best Buy and what the new CEO there is doing, and I wrote an article on this a uh, few mm. months ago. Um, she is actually um, uh, letting a lot of the store associates go. And she has gone from uh, having experts in each field of electronics or each category of electronics, uh, experts who could educate the consumer who came into the store um, about what they should know about that particular uh, a device and so forth and so on. And she has gone, she's going with the strategy that says, we want all of our associates to be generalists. So they right. can talk about any particular device or any brand. Um, and I criticize that in the article, because I think that is one of the reasons that um, <clears throat> the, the, her predecessor really uh, put in place to, to have these specialists. And I believe that that is a big reason why Best Buy uh, came back from a big slump. I mean, they were getting killed by Walmart and Amazon, but now she seems to be going back mm. to the other things. So we will see. But Andy, all these points you're making are very, very good. And, and you know, um, this downward consumer trend um, combined with inflation at near 40 year highs uh, begs the question, how long can consumer spending growth continue? So Andy, what are the headwinds out there? And, and what do you see looking ahead? Yeah. You know, a lot, a lot of the journalism out there is, you know, it's been doom and gloom, but, yeah. but there are some positive numbers and, you know, that indicate that strong consumer spending may continue at least in Q2. Yep. Uh, low unemployment, consumer savings, and the travel increases always impact favorably on the overall retail spend. Right. So what do you see? What are the headwinds and uh, tailwinds? Okay. Well, we, yeah. Robert, to your point, we've got both. We do have tailwinds <laughs> and headwinds, starting with some tailwinds. Yeah. Unemployment is at a historic low. People are working and they're, you know, even if they're not switching jobs as often as they were a year ago, employment is holding up very well. Um, yeah. We also, you know, I believe that consumers still have leftover savings from the pandemic. I think the Wall Street Journal had said, you know, maybe two, $2.7 was saved during the pandemic. There's still a bunch of that in people's uh, savings account. So, you know, there is a cushion. And to your point, behavior to date has shown that, right? People are still spending and it has surprised many pundits that yeah. discretionary spend has held up. Now, there are a number of tailwinds. So, you know, there are a number of, uh, you know, with all those tailwinds, there are a number of headwinds. You pointed out, okay, the Fed wants inflation more like 2%, even if this month it's down to 5%. It's still way above the target rate. Mm. Um, but, you know, for us, you know, more concerning perhaps than even that is we're seeing credit card debt has been growing, oh. um, you know, much faster than perhaps uh, from 2009. Mm. 
We've seen um, personal savings rates, you know, from your, you know, the weekly paychecks declining uh, since uh, last year. We also know that, you know, the pause on student loan payments may stop this summer. And overall, you know, given whether you call it a banking crisis or just concerns, yeah. there is a large potential for credit to tighten significantly. All of those things could meaningfully impact discretionary spend. So where we're sitting right now, we think discretionary spend will continue to grow through at least Q2, but we'll be tracking that blend of headwinds to see how it plays out over the next few months. Yeah, I, I, it makes sense why credit cards are, the debt is so much higher because consumers are spending so much more on what you talked about earlier, shelter, yeah. food, yeah. and energies. So they're, yeah. you know, looking for other ways. But, um, you know, Andy, Rob and I just did a podcast called Retail's Hinge Point in Time Reveals the New Normal. Yep. Uh, where we discussed how forces for change are really redefining the new, of re new rules of retail uh, in real time. So factors like Gen Z, a hybrid workforce, loyalty programs, emerging technologies, all of these things are resetting yep. what we think is the playing field for retail. So any thoughts on these macroeconomic forces and how this may play out for retail, travel, restaurants? And do you think we're heading into a new normal of spending? Uh, yes. Well, I don't know if there is a normal. So, um, <laughs> so putting the, the, the term normal aside, um, and I, I did listen to the podcast, so it's terrific. Um, so, um, yes, there are clearly changes in, you know, as you guys pointed out, in Gen Z, overall um, consumer value priorities. Um, and those value priorities impact um, how they spend, but also importantly, who they spend with and mm. where, um, you know, let alone, you know, how we work. So, you know, putting the how we work aside, um, that change in emerging change in values that I think is, you know, you point to Gen Z, but I do think it, you know, kind of has a halo effect beyond Gen Z over time. Um, again, impacts how people spend, but also creates opportunities. And, you know, for us, you know, one of the interesting things is we, um, you know, we do digital audiences to help, um, you know, uh, merchants and retailers do better targeted advertising. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we started getting into um, more of a social-based audiences. Hey, you know, um, people who have an affinity for, um, you know, environmental trends, you know, whatever it may be. And we've also synced up, just started to sync up with some agencies because we see a growing trend of literally um, when you're served a digital ad online, some companies are starting to give the consumer an opportunity to literally click and donate within that ad. So you've got now brands yeah. starting to try and create um, sort of um, social identities, tie it into their advertising and connect with consumers. And I do think we're very much at the tip of the iceberg. And I don't know if anyone knows the 
really the best way to do it. But I do think, you know, to your, um, you know, podcast on inflection points, I do think this is a going growing trend and it will, um, I think, impact which companies gain or lose, you know, discretionary spend, even in tough times. Yeah, that's very well, well put, Andy. And I, I do remember, um, uh, you know, Shelly put together a great profile, the Gen Z culture, which uh, I think, you know, they, one of the major points you're making from a macro point of view is that uh, they more and more are being very uh, um, deliberative about where they shop. And they want to know that the brand they're shopping in uh, is all in with the values of their culture. And I think right. over time, this is going to cause huge strategic and structural change in, in the industry. And it already has started, but I think we'll see it. Anyway, Andy, um, you know, once again, in my opinion, you have an incredible capability of uh, turning data into actionable knowledge. And I really believe that uh, spending time with you anyway. And of course, this industry desperately needs uh, uh, what you have during the seismic changes that consumers are demanding, forcing macro strategic and structural shifts, as I mentioned. Um, so this historical era needs what you do. <laughs> and yeah, and thanks so much again, Andy, for sharing your insights with us. Thanks for having me. And, um, you know, I think the the important part is being, you know, from our perspective is helping our customers drive better outcomes to, you know, the Gen Z conversation. Look, you know, card spend tends to, you know, be pretty holistic, whether it's someone, you know, whether it's helping to create a 360 profile so they can see where they should connect on social causes with their customers or more basic competitive analysis, you know, our job is to help our customers succeed. So in uncertain times, yeah, you know, smart use of data can help. Uh, I appreciate you having me on the podcast. And, you know, if anyone is interested in seeing the entire report, there's a lot of rich information there. They can go to commercesignals.com and uh, download it. Great. Thanks, Andy. Always, you were great. And I love the spend analytics suite that you offer. So <laughs> Thank you. Um, really great. So for our listeners, you can find more of our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Bowsprout, and of course, the rodreport.com. Look for us on YouTube, where we broadcast our podcast as well. And please follow us on social media, link in with us for the latest thoughts about the industry. And as I do every week, uh, I encourage all of you listening and viewing um, that if you have a topic you would like Shelly and I to cover, uh, please send me an email. It's robin at the robinreport.com. And I want to thank all of you again for tuning in. Take care.